This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 you. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast. Today, we have a special, special episode. We have two guests. It's been a long time since I interviewed two people at the same time. But I feel I wanted to interview two people and get their side of what's going on in the world today. Because I can't speak for women. And I definitely, definitely can't speak for white women so i mean i'm black so i already know how black people feel obviously so i think we should hear from the other races so i'm gonna let these two introduce themselves please one by one say your name say your age and say where you what do you do for a living and where you're from if you can remember all that <laughs> all right what are you all guys right i'll go ahead i'm lucy i'm 31 uh right now i work in disaster management uh, i live in oakland but i'm from boston originally and i'm dylan i'm 27 i am an elementary school teacher and i'm from the suburbs of chicago okay <laughs> <laughs> so what brought both of you guys to the Bay Area? My sister was out here, and I was living in New York, um, and I didn't really like living in New York City, so I wanted to try something new, and here I am. Just You just got up and left? Yeah, I drove across the country, packed up a car. Did you move in with your sister when you got here? Uh, I slept on her floor for a couple of days, and then a bunch of Airbnbs until I found a spot. Okay. Dylan? Oh, yeah, why I'm out here. Uh, I also moved, well, I moved out here for my job um, as a teacher in Richmond. So mm. I did the same thing. I drove out here. What made you want to be a teacher? Um, I didn't want to be, I thought. And then I lived abroad for four years working in um, international schools. And I just, I was in environmental studies and then. I just prefer kids, working with kids. So, What school were you working at internationally? They were the British International Schools. I did two years in uh, British school Kuala Lumpur and two years in the school of Yangon in Myanmar. Okay. And Lucy, you, uh, what specifically do you do? Like, I know you say your job title, but what exactly do you do? Yeah, so I work for a company that... Um, they respond to disasters, but they also help like cities and countries prepare for disasters. They do natural disasters, so like hurricanes, floods, earthquakes. Mm. So they're basically like consultants, and they help people like plan and build up infrastructure so that it won't get destroyed in a disaster. So I'm guessing you travel to other countries? Yeah, um, yeah, it's international. And I'm guessing you've seen a lot of uh, like people in dire need of like the simple basics of life yeah yeah a lot of what they do is like um people who like build their own homes build their own schools and stuff so a lot of it isn't really built to the kind of standard that like if an earthquake hit it would it would stay up mm. so a lot of it is in um i don't know, they call them like informal settlements or like other people would call them slums 
Who was your boss? A lady. <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't know her name? Her name is Sabine. Sabine? Yeah. She American? No, she's South African. Uh, um, do you know if your company pockets money? Oh, for sure. For sure. Because they're, they not, they're not a nonprofit. They're a company. So uh, they definitely make money. So they don't they don't put all the money toward actually doing the no, job. No, so like either somebody like the World Bank or like USAID would hire them or a, a government would hire them specifically. Mm. So, yeah. Thanks. And how did you get this job? I applied. I was working before in also internationally. I lived abroad for a bunch of years uh, working in more envi environmental work. Mm. And so, yeah, I don't know. Just applied to a bunch of things, and that's how I got this job. Where uh, all overseas have you lived? Um, I was mostly living in the Caribbean in Grenada, but I worked all over the Caribbean. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dylan, where all have you lived overseas? Uh, I lived in Italy for a bit, and then Malaysia and Myanmar. That's it? Mm -hmm. Well, lived, yeah. Okay. All right, so, uh, Lucy, you said that you grew up in Boston. Yep. Boston's like one of the racist places ever. Yeah, that's what everybody says. Where in Boston were you? Wellesley. It's like a suburb to the west of Boston. Was it like all, all white? Definitely city? all white. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How was your experience growing up there? It was. I mean, it's definitely like a white bubble. I feel like it's like, um, like the northeast liberal white bubble where people think because they're democrats and because they're nice people that they're not racist mm -hmm. and so it's like a different a different type of racism there i would say are your parents racist mm, i think everybody is racist i think every white person is racist so i'm gonna say yes <laughs> <laughs> no Dylan, for real. that I mean, means I you're racist too yep, Dylan. i'll take it i think That's racism fine. is non-binary <laughs> it's not like you are you aren't it's like different you know, uh -huh. degrees of racism. Mm -hmm. So I think everybody is racist. So, uh, so you, everybody's racist in I your think eyes. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are there certain levels to racism? Yeah, I would say there's definitely levels. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the what? Explain the level. What like what's Donald Trump's level of racism? Is that the highest mm -hmm. form of racism, or is it like someone that's in the the leader of the KKK or the alt right? I think Donald Trump is probably like a three because I think it gets like way worse than Donald Trump. I think mm -hmm. he's kind of just yeah. like a mouthpiece, but there are people who like really mean business, and I think they're way worse and scarier. Okay. Way more violent. Yeah. I think like if it, if your racism is more violent against specific people, like, mm -hmm. and you're willing to put violent acts upon people, then like, that's the worst it can get. Mm -hmm. From like, I don't know if the worst it can get, but that's like incredibly. So Dylan, just, you basically agree with what she's saying that all people are racist. Yeah. I changed my mind on Donald Trump though because I'm thinking like physical violence. Yeah. But I feel like he uses his power and his money for like other types of violence, you know, like to encourage violence upon other people. Yeah, that sure. and Isn't also that just worse? like criminal justice violence. So that Because when you can encourage violence, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you're encouraging someone to do something they wouldn't normally do mm -hmm. if they weren't listening to you. Yeah, no, I can see I feel like I could argue both sides of that as well. Like if you are supposed to be the leader of the free world although i use the term leader lightly and free world that exactly <laughs> that um yeah um that you know i agree like he's standing in front of millions of people and saying that like this is okay and that you should do these things mm. 
Did and inflicting violence on other people. So like when I'll bump him up to it, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did your parents vote for Donald Trump? Do you guys know? No, I don't think so. My dad was always a Republican until Obama. And then, I don't know, he, uh-huh. he switched over. My mom's always been a Democrat. So I, I want to stay on uh, your when you were growing up in Boston. So... Mm-hmm. Um, did you I'm, I'm assuming you went to like an all-white school like it was school so, high school so um <clears throat> it was mostly all white there's I, I can think of maybe like two to three non-white families in my town mm. but boston has a program where they take kids from like downtown boston and it's like a, i think a lottery system where they can go to schools in the schools. suburb So they like imported the diversity to my high school, basically. And so that kind of like made it even more of a divide because not only was there like race differences, but they're also like kids from a totally different town and a totally different background. So you don't like know them from the neighborhood. You don't know them from other like elementary school. You know what I mean? So were those kids getting fucked with? No, no, they weren't getting fucked with, but they was just like segregated. Like they were all friends with each other Mm. and the white people were friends with each other, you know, so... Were you raised uh, by your parents with the idea that, uh, I mean, it's if you bring a black guy home, it's fine, or if you play with black kids, it's fine, and all, all that shit? Yeah. So your parents didn't really show their racism? No, they would never like say anything like that. It took me a long time to see things, because I feel like my parents always raised me like, be good to everybody, and I thought that meant like mm. they're not racist. Yeah. But I think, I don't know, I think it's more complicated than that uh were your parents religious um yeah my dad was growing up i was raised episcopalian so i went to church every sunday until i was 13 it's like um i don't know shit about (laughs) it's christianity (laughs) it's christianity but it's like a worse christianity is it what are they like the are they the extremists of no no that's um what evangelical yeah no they're like um protestant kind of they don't believe in the pope they don't believe in the Pope? No. Uh, why not? Why is that? Because that's just Catholics. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. You have any siblings? I have a sister. Okay. Older sister? Older sister, yeah. All right, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How's it like growing up for you? And uh, what do you say? I said the suburbs of Chicago. Chicago, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's like in the same thing like i would say where's the suburbs in chicago so batavia so mine i was like straight west Mm -hmm. um and it was like very much so similar like i feel like i was like further enough out of chicago that um do you do you know chicago was the first city with a skyscraper i did know that yes okay continue um (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's like i mean it was incredibly similar everyone like on my block, I lived in a cul-de-sac, like it was all white families. My elementary school, it was like a walking elementary school. And so that was pretty white. Um, and then like middle school and high school, all the kids in the whole town go to the same middle school and high school. Um, so it definitely is more diverse then, but like my specific neighborhood was very white. Um, mm. And yeah, like it's, I feel like my parents lived in Chicago and then we moved around a bit like when I was born. But when we moved back to the Chicago area, like I feel like it was the classic like white flight thing. Like, okay, we're having kids now. And so we got to get out of the city because you either go to private school, which is like in their eyes. I think that they would have thought if they wanted us to get like a quality education, they would have had to send, which like now I don't agree 
whatever. There's a whole other side of that. But they would have had to send us to a private school, which is like so expensive. We couldn't afford that. Or the public schools in Chicago aren't great. Okay. Uh, so your parents basically raised you uh, to be colorblind also? Yeah, probably. I would say so. A bunch of grandparents. Did they raise me to be colorblind? No, no. You, did, did your grandparents raise your parents to be colorblind? Oh, oh, oh. Um, yes. My mom's, yeah. Yeah. I would say yes. All right. So, um, do you have any siblings? I have a brother. You have a brother? He's older than me. All right. So, it's obvious that you guys were raised in all white, like, towns or cities or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... You guys are not like the average person who's raised around all white people. Is that safe to say? <laughs> well, what is the average? I mean, I'm sure. Lucy, do you date outside your race? Yeah. Do you date outside your race? Yeah. What's your, what's your favorite music? Hip hop? I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. What's your favorite music? Reggae? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like I'm saying is... If I was a white person, right, and I was raised in a all-white town, mm-hmm. I'll probably have different views. I wouldn't be so, like, uh, I don't know, so forthcoming to, like, other culture. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what was it about you guys that you think made you so accepting to other cultures and other people so freely? I mean, I would say definitely living, like moving abroad. Um, like when I moved to Italy, that was a bit different. I was studying there. But when I moved to Malaysia for the first time, like I think that was when I like, I, don't, I know you've lived abroad too. Like the first time I, it just is like different. And I loved how different it was from America and how different people are and their cultures and their food and the way that their traditions, like everything about that. Like I want to continue going to other places to like learn what other people's cultures are and tradition. So I think that was like where it all began. Like, at least for me, like not only being accepting, but being like more curious and wanting to learn more, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that you. Makes sense. Yeah. I think kind of something similar. I mean, I don't know. I can't say like what started it, but I have just like always been interested in, mm-hmm like not always being surrounded by people who are the exact same as me. I mean, whether it's like race, gender, background, like all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I just like, like talking to different kinds of people. And I definitely think, yeah, traveling, like experiencing other cultures and realizing like, okay, other people live different ways and they're doing all right. Like everybody has different ways. Like there's literally 8 billion different ways that you could live mm-hmm. and they're all okay. And I think that's part of like what white people think is that like, the white culture, the white way of living is the only way. Mm-hmm. So I think like exposure, exposure and realizing that there's, yeah. When know. you went overseas, was that the first time you were around uh, like a shit ton of black people? <laughs> no. Um, no. I mean, I've like always traveled and like, I feel like it's like a constant, like, I don't know. You have to, I did it like purposely. Like I purposely always put myself in situ in places and situations and jobs and communities and friends that w- mm. didn't look like me that weren't like me so it definitely wasn't the first time for me mm. um but it definitely i mean 
it was maybe the most extreme for me. I feel like that when you do move abroad, like for the first time, you have to already have like this, like want this, like, I don't know, like I wanted to be in a place that was new to me and uncomfortable and around people that were like completely different from me. Like, so I feel like that is like, I don't think that I could have like one specific time where I decided, but like, I would say like the first time I moved abroad is where I was like, there are so many ways to live and like, they're all so wonderful in so many different ways. So you say you're a elementary teacher, right? Mm -hmm. What's the hardest thing about your job? The hardest and the best thing are the kids. <laughs> well, the hardest thing is probably, I mean, like dealing with admin and like the district itself and like there's always money being taken away from us so is your what uh i know schools are under different um what do you call it districts yeah district what district is your school under i'm west contra costa is that a good I mean, uh, do they get a lot of money going into that uh district no no we this last year but even before coronavirus we were in or we still are in a $50 million deficit for this upcoming school year. And so they laid off 250 teachers and counselors and PE teachers and music teachers and art teachers. So, mm. no. And you've been teaching online? Yeah, we finished, but yeah. How uh, was that experience? Um, Very challenging. The beginning of it was just trying to get kids to have everyone to have a laptop, trying to get Wi-Fi set up. We had hotspots, but our district ran out in the first day. Are um, you, you guys were buying kids' laptops? Mm -mm. So no. we had them, but like they have to be distributed. And so mm. families had to come pick them up if their kids weren't there on the last day. We had like 24-hour notice to get everything. It was like Thursday night. We got an email, like when we had all gone home. And then by Friday, the kids left at noon. And everything had to be done. I don't understand why you would continue the school year for elementary. Like, right. I mean, they ain't learning shit anyway. They're I just know. running around playing. Um, so that was like a big discussion. Um, do we hold all, like, it wouldn't be holding them back, but like, do they all repeat the same grade? Do they stay with the teacher next year? Like, a lot of it is like money. Just pass them shit. They only, it's no, only been yeah. two months. So that's the thing. Everyone, unless there was a plan in place before um we started doing distance learning everybody passed like if the kid was already there was like meetings and plans in place for them to be held back otherwise everyone passed mm. like elementary through high school who's the baddest student you have in your class <laughs> i'm none <laughs> <laughs> i would never say that why not there's <laughs> one that you children. just want to spank who's no, the one you want to spank? <laughs> no because they're children and like kids all learn so differently and at different paces and like they're just figuring themselves out. They're just little humans. How do you feel about kids being classified as uh, retarded? Well, first of all, hard R. I wouldn't say that word. Um, and that doesn't really happen. Because you know it doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Like, it, it happens in different ways now. Like, kids have IEPs, so they have individual education plans. Mm. And like within that, it's like not not every kid gets the same thing because no kid learns the same way. Exactly. So that leads up to this other question. Do you know um, you know why so many uh, children of color get uh, uh, classified as uh, mentally retarded? I mean, because they the way that 
teachers think that like the way that they behave, if they're loud, if they call out, if all these other things, they think that they're unable to learn and they don't mm. want to deal with the student. And so they just send them referrals. They say that they need Adderall. They say that they need to be on all these drugs. Do you think and that's medication. right? No, of course not. Absolutely not. Okay, good. <laughs> that's exactly no one of the re that, that's exactly what i was about to say is because the teachers think, the they, teacher. they'll see a kid right who will be like high and like a lot of energy and then they'll mm -hmm. say oh yeah this kid can't learn but what kid doesn't have high energy exactly and then when a kid i don't know if you notice but when you, a kid is meant if classified as mentally retarded. Mm -hmm. the, you know the, the school. They don't say that anymore, though, right? Give what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? Tell them what to say. So, like, you could say different things. Like, you could. It depends on, like, like I said, every like they would either have. Well, like, let's say a learning, a learning impairment, yeah. or they have unfinished learning, meaning that like there are no gaps in their learning. They just haven't finished learning. Okay, that's just a way to be nice and try to get the parents to go. Oh, your son is not this. He's this. He's this. But it means the same. No, but instead, but then you can be more specific about it. Your student has unfinished learning in their reading comprehension. Yes. And therefore, we're giving them this plan. Yes. You don't just put a All right, so I'm not going to say, all right, we'll say learning disability. <laughs> so when a kid is classified to have a learning disability, the uh -huh. school gets money for that shit. And the more kids that you have that, are, that have learning disabilities, the more money your school is going to make. And... But where do you and, get the, and where do, wait? And another thing is that when when uh, students when students uh, get that distinction is uh, it's not a scientific because there's nothing scientific that can prove that a kid has no. a learning disability. It's 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 just a from a psychologist. Do they just, require like a testing psychologist? No, it's just it's just it's just it's, it's just a psychologist giving his point of view on the kid and people go by that there's nothing scientific that you can prove that can prove that this kid has learned disability yeah, it just depends on what you're like recommending if i'm recommending exactly. so a lot of behavior than a behavior specialist or you have like different specialists like a math coach who comes in like you have different specialists that come there's in. a lot of psychologists who give bad uh diagnosis to uh -huh. children and especially children of color uh -huh. because you can't expect a Let's say you take a boy, right? A five-year-old black kid mm -hmm. grew up in the inner city. Take a five-year-old white kid grew up in the suburbs, and then you give him a test, like a, let's say a, like a simple vocabulary test, right? This mm -hmm. five-year-old kid from the suburbs has a shit ton of books in his house. Mm -hmm. His mothers talk to him in the in the language that's on the test. The five-year-old black kid, he goes takes the test. He's looking at words that he's never even seen or heard before because that's just a way of life. It doesn't mean that he has a learning disability. So he's going to fail the test, right? And then the psychologist is going to be, okay, your son has a learning disability. No, he doesn't. He just, you're giving him a test of shit he's not even used to. He's not even, so. Yeah. I that's mean, one thing bad about testing children. Yeah, no, that's like what, I mean, like my district is very against all that kind of thing and like just knowing like where these students come from and where every student comes from and that like we didn't take standardized testing this year because of corona and like standardized testing puts so much stress on kids it's inaccurate like they can't not every student can perform looking at a computer um and so like during all this like we've seen that we didn't have state testing and like look everybody survived Every like the kids are still going to move up like there's nothing 
there's so little to gain from it when you don't take in every other part of a child's life rather than those few days when they sit in front of a computer. Mm -hmm. Do you agree, Lucy? I agree, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you guys both lived overseas. Tell me about, Lucy, tell me about your experience. Where was the first place that you lived overseas? Lived? Yes. What do you mean by lived? Like you were living there. Um, you went to the grocery store there. That's what I counted. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ecuador. You, Ecuador. Yeah. And how long were you there for? Uh, six months. Six months, and how was that? It was cool. I mean, I was there as a student, so I was taking classes and then working at a hospital. Um, but it was cool. I liked it. Ecuador is. I don't want to sound stupid, but it's in South America, it's okay. near like Peru. <laughs> yeah. All right, now, how were you treated by, like, the locals? Um, I don't know. I feel like I, feel like I was young then. I was probably, like, 17. Was mm. I 17? No, I guess I was 19. And so I feel like I was always with, like, a group of other American students or with, like, I lived with a family. So I would say it wasn't, like, as drastic as when I was living by myself in other countries where I felt it more. Because I feel like the places that I went, people were used to Americans. But I definitely got a lot of shit for, like, people... Everywhere you go, people hate Americans. And people hate America. And they want to tell you about how American policies fuck their country. So I feel like I I definitely got a lot of that. Were you defending America America when they were saying this? Well, that's the thing. I feel like when I'm in America, I'm, like, the first person to talk shit about America. And then when I go abroad, I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to defend my country, but it's really hard to defend America. Yeah. And I feel like there's good people here, but overall, I it's it's hard to defend America. Mm. Dylan, um, what was the first place you lived? Well, the first place I lived was Italy, but I was studying as well. And I feel like when you're studying, you just like move around in like these groups of americans so i feel like the first place i like really lived was malaysia Mm. and it's interesting because in malaysia everyone's like oh um they they're like white skin white skin like are you from america like oh america is so great they want to know everything about america and i'm like i promise you like it's not the best country in the world like and then i I was working in British international school. So most people that I worked with and my friends were British. Um, they're from like somewhere in the UK. And I would always just like let, if they were like, Oh, where are you guys from? And somebody would say the UK, I would just like go along with that. Yeah. I'm from the UK. Cause then like the same thing, like I don't want to, I, the same, like if I'm in America, like I'll talk shit about America (laughs) and I just want to like avoid when, okay, so when I first lived there, Obama was president, and they lo- that was what they would first say. America, oh, Obama, we love Obama. And there were, like, posters of Obama, like, driving down the highway in Malaysia. And then when Trump got elected, they were like, oh, Trump, like, do you like him? Do you like him? And I'd be like, no, no, no. And they're like, good, 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 good. Like, so they do, they talked about. How long were you living there? In Malaysia for two years, and uh, then Myanmar for two years. When did you, so you went from Malaysia to Myanmar? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why did you? Because uh, they were. They're like sister schools, and I just didn't want to come home, but mm. I didn't want to stay in Malaysia. Okay. Was there like a big difference between the two? Yes, big. Malaysia is like incredibly developed, I guess you would say. Um, there's like huge malls. Everyone calls it like Malaysia. Um, and 
than in Myanmar. It's very much so still a developing country. Um, it's the school itself was wildly different. Where I lived was different. Um, it's more, I mean, it's just still developing and yeah. Okay. So what was, what, what do you think a big issue in Malaysia is? Um, Malaysia is also very racist. They have like three main, um, so there's like Malay. So you're Malaysian Malay, you're Indian Malay or you're Chinese Malay. Mm. And there's like a hierarchy there of Chinese Malay are like at the top. They like work in big oil and banks and like they drive the fancy cars. And then you have um, the Indian Malay and then the Malay is just what they're called, their group. And um, so there's like, and it's very known and everyone's quite obvious about it. And you can like see as well there the differences in like where people live what kind of cars they drive what kind of jobs they have mm. so lucy what was uh what's a big issue in uh where were you at grenada yeah yeah what's um i guess i would say jobs i feel like this it's like such a tiny country and mm. so i think it's just the economy like there's a lot of unemployed people unemployed the bunch of uh, it's like starving people out there no 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 it's not like that um everybody's doing all right there but there's just not a lot of jobs not a lot of stuff to do uh so. what were you doing for fun out there for fun yeah um for fun i would i don't know go to the beach go hiking go to bars what are the bars like out there um they're mostly like outdoor like open air type of bars so it's like dj set up sound systems like on the beach or something like that did you ever get drugged out there no, I never got drugged. Yeah. <laughs> I never got drugged anywhere I went. <laughs> Dylan, you ever get drugged? No. <laughs> That's a good thing. All right. Uh, so what do you think? What is to you? I mean, everyone is different, but in, out here in the United States, what do you think your number one issue is with the country? Mine or mm-hmm. the country's number one issue? What's your, what do you think the number one issue is? Well, yeah, what's your number one issue with the country? Like, so do you mean, like, with, for me, I would say, like, education inequities, because that's, like, what I work with and deal with, and it's rooted within systemic racism. Mm-hmm. But so that's what I. I mean, well, you could put a lot of shit. Basically, everything is rooted no, in. No, I know. Racism. But I'm saying, like, if that's what we're talking about in this podcast, like, within systemic racism of that huge umbrella of the entire country education inequity is your biggest problem yeah i feel like my biggest problem it's like i mean your biggest issue issue. yeah yeah yes i feel like anytime anytime you try and solve any issue it like kind of always comes back to education uh it's like how do we build a different kind of world and it's like always teach the kids you know so what's your uh biggest issue I don't know what my biggest. I mean, in terms of like work, I usually work in like environmental issues. Well, I'm not talking about work. You can just say anything. What's your? You look at United States. What do you think the biggest problem with it is? I think it's like our economic values. I think it's capitalism. Mm. In like inside the U.S. and also like how we treat other countries. Mm. I think it's capitalism. Mm. All right. What's yours? (laughs) What's yours? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Racism. Yeah, and. Would you That's have said a, that two months ago too? 
Well, I've been saying it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this fucking country was, I mean, it was built on racism, so mm-hmm. I don't think it would ever change. But anyway, where, uh, your, your issue is education. Mm-hmm. How do you think you can, uh, not you, but how do you think it can be fixed? Well, first, we need more money so that we can have resources, so that we can have... We're the richest country in the world. I know, but our schools need more money. My district needs more money. Every okay. Find me one... Like, every district will say they need more money. Mm-hmm. We have one counselor for over 550 students, and most of our students have some sort of trauma in their background, and... There's no, I have to teach PE. They have music for 30 minutes a day, but that probably will go away next year or um, a, mo- a week. Sorry. Um, we don't have, I buy so much. I spend so much money buying paper. I buy, we have glue for the most part, although I have bought glue, but just buying like every materials. Like if I want to do art with them, I have to buy it all. You're having a Halloween party. I buy it all. We're having a winter party. I buy it all. And like, that's not it. Like more than anything is just like, okay, we have our vice principal who now like our school site is funding. So we have to take money away from like having other like online resources or putting money towards the librarian or more books um, because they wanted to get rid of our vice principal, who is also basically our behavioral therapist who does, who has these incredible relationships with the kids. And she's like the first to go when we have, any sort of budget cut. Um, I didn't know if I was going to have my job for like six months. We need counselors. We need social workers. We need way more arts, like so many so things. How do you suggest we get more money into the schools? Well, I know that in Oakland school district, they spend $6 million on cops a year and 1 million on librarians. Like how is that? How are we spending one sixth of the money on books and six times as much on having cops in schools? So when they say defund the police, you agree with that? Yes, a hundred percent. Okay. Give kids books, give them art, give them other ways to learn and grow and not just be like, you should come to school and it should be your sanctuary and you should feel safe. Not in one classroom, not with one teacher, but everywhere you go on that campus. Mm-hmm. How do you think we're going to solve racism in America? Stop. <laughs> you don't ask me questions I get to ask on the this. Questions? No. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, were you done? Was that that was it? Yeah. I mean, I could There's talk money. about it for a really long time. Well, with it, with money, you can have resources, and that's okay. what kids need. All right. Better food for them to eat. Uh huh. Better mm-hmm. after-school programs. And if let's say all the money we get all we we get all that right, mm-hmm. how would the world change? Do you think? I mean, if well, not every, the world, how would the United States if change? Every kid is given the same equal opportunity to start with to learn their education. If you have the same education, and then if we're gonna be forcing kids to take these tests then you're not going to have these huge disparities of kids who are raised in mostly white districts having better test scores because they their families pay more taxes and schools get money from the housing taxes in that community. Like, if we can give every kid an equal playing field, then they'll have equal opportunities to internships, to going to school, to whatever job, trade school they want to go to. Like, How do you feel about teachers not wanting to go to the bad schools where they're really needed, but they want to go to the good schools where 
these kids are already smart as shit. I mean, and getting that, homeschooled anyway. How do you feel about that? I mean, that happens all the time. Um, Why do you think it because, happens? Because there's so, the burnout rate is so high. If you have these kids who are clearly, when you have like a behavior issue or whatever is happening with that kid, it comes from trauma. And if you can't call in somebody who can help calm them down or give them skills to sort, to deescalate themselves, to deal with things by themselves, like, if you are like you feel like you're on an island every day. So you're saying these teachers are just bad teachers? No, I'm saying that they have at a certain point you have to step back and if you can't care for yourself, how can you walk in a room and care for 25 8-year-olds all day long? Do you know the easiest way to solve that problem? Hmm. Like a kid can be bad as as he wants to be, right? Mhm. Teacher can feel frustrated. Mhm. Teacher can feel like giving up. Mhm. If a student knows that this teacher would never give up on him, mm-hmm. that student will try harder to please that teacher, don't you think? I, yeah, no. I, if you're a teacher and a, te- and a student is looking at you like, oh, this teacher doesn't even give a fuck. She doesn't care. She just, she's just trying to get out of here. She's watching the clock, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. She's not really trying to teach us. I'm raising my hand. She's not really trying to teach me how to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. Do you think that te- that student is going to like give his full hundred percent potential in that class? No, no. So it they all comes down to the to teacher, correct? I mean, you have yes, a hundred. I mean, you have to even if you have every other resource imaginable at, at your fingertips. If you have no relationship with your kids, like so, we need better then, teachers. Though. Yeah, you have to. Yes, right. we agree on that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Lucy. Mm-hmm. What, uh, explain your, uh, you said capitalism. I said capitalism. That's the number one issue with the United States, you yeah. said. Yeah. I mean, I think it, Why is it that? affects every other issue explain. that we could talk about. But I just think that, like, the way that, well, I think two things. One, the way that, like, the economic system is set up so that it's, like, everything is profit motivated. But then also the fact that, I feel like we're kind of brainwashed in this country to think that that's the only option. And there's many other ways that we could, uh, you know, build the economy. So I think, I mean, in terms of solutions, I think one, it goes back to education, educating people about other ways, but there's other ways of doing things like workers cooperative or local economy type of stuff. Um, and just not exploiting everybody left and right. I mean, that it comes like racism is a huge thing. You can't solve racism without solving capitalism. You can't solve capitalism without solving racism because it's exploitation. That's what capitalism is making a profit by exploiting somebody. So mm-hmm. I think it's all connected. Uh, so let's say you start a business, right? And you want your business to make, I mean, in order to be in. To have a business, you want your business to be successful and make as much money as you possibly can, correct? Mm-hmm. All right, so... Maybe. What? I said maybe. What do you mean? I, I mean, mean, in order to stay in business, you have to make money, right? Yes. But that doesn't mean as much as you can. That okay, but you, you, don't, you, you don't control <laughs> how... Uh, as, you, don't, you can't control how much money your business is going to make. That's the consumer's job, right? We control how much money Apple makes because we're the stupid right, ones who right, go right. out and buy all the fucking Apple shit that <laughs> comes true. out, right? Yeah, that's true. So Apple job is to just put the shit out there. Mm-hmm. And we're the ones who's buying it, making them the most successful, richest company in the world. Mm-hmm. So you can't control 
you're getting into business to make money and to stay in business, but you can't control how much money you make. That's the consumer. So saying that, are you trying to say uh, like when you're making too much money, that's the problem? I mean, like Jeff Bezos, are you saying like Jeff Bezos is just making too much money and that's capitalism? That's the problem. Yeah, I definitely think. So uh, to be devil's advocate, to uh be devil's advocate, what if Jeff Bezos says, well, how can you tell me how much money I should make or I'm supposed to make? Well, I mean, yeah, in the system that we have, I mean, nobody can tell somebody, but in order for like the greater good and for everybody else, I would encourage Mm -hmm. people to not be billionaires. But to not be billionaires? To not be billionaires. I don't think that that should, that should happen. Because at a certain point, can't, sorry, I don't know. If no, I'm go ahead, yeah. At a certain point, can't you just be like, okay, my company, we're making good money. Like, we're doing great. I have enough money. I have my house, whatever I need. I'm comfortable. Instead of just like putting more and more and more and more and more money in your bank, why don't you be like, why don't I pay my workers more? And right. then next time you are this in the same situation where you have a shit ton of money, like, how can I give back now? What can I do instead? Like, why don't I open another branch or whatever it is so yeah. that then you can employ more people and Jeff pay Bezos them. is not the hardest working person at Amazon no. for sure. So I he mean, could, we he obviously know that. Flood that money through. I mean, every, he's the richest man in the like world. Minimum too. wage. Everybody yeah. who works for Amazon, every delivery person, because of how much they're making, if they like distributed that profit. So how would we that. how would we fix that problem though? Like well, what what? I'm, can, not, I'm not an economist, <laughs> so I don't. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, it, I, you could should, do like should there be laws? regulations, right? Okay. Like there's like antitrust laws where there can't be like monopolies where certain companies can't like completely take over the market, supposedly. But mm. I mean, I feel like there's loopholes for everything. I mean, and you could argue what is taking over. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's laws about this, mm. but I feel like it's there easy is. for companies. <laughs> I think the the most recent one I heard of was uh, A and T and T. They stopped A and T and T from purchase because A T and T wanted yeah. to purchase Sprint, T Mobile. Mm-hmm. Basically, they wanted to purchase all the I cell phone companies, mm-hmm. and so the government stepped in and was like, "Well, you can't purchase all the all the fucking cell phone companies because you're going to be the only one, the only choice that mm-hmm. people have to mm-hmm. go to." Mm-hmm. It's just like that dude in Mexico. I think he's like the second or third richest person in the world. He owns every fucking phone. He owns all the phone companies in Mexico, and he's the only one. There's they have people have no choice but to get his phone service. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what uh, I mean. There is a law, mm-hmm. but I don't know the name of it. So all right. So you're saying stop capitalism, and then the world will be better. The world will be a better place. <laughs> okay. So, do you guys? Uh, oh, may I ask? Are you were you uh, for defunding the police too? Yes, I am. Okay. Where do you think? Uh, let's say we defund the police. Mm-hmm. We take three million away from their budget. What do you think? Where, how would you distribute that extra three million? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't really know enough about like the Oakland city budget, really. But well, I mean, I don't. know. It's just a ballpark <laughs> figure. Yeah, you know, it's like forty percent. Oakland, I know, forty-four percent makes up for forty-four percent of the. I mean, all fucking police forces. They're they're. I know it's the their highest. budgets are way because they're like like why do police forces need fucking military, army military yeah. weapons and shit to patrol. Mm-hmm. And I buy City crayons. streets. <laughs> exactly. You should be going to her crayons. That's, that's why these motherfuckers are out there trying to, they think they're like in the army and shit, driving these tanks around. What do you need a tank for to just to go mm-hmm. handle a noise complaint? Mm-hmm. 
Well, first, I think it should go towards like developing an alternative, right? Because everyone's freaking out. We're not going to have police. And there are other like. Well, those are ignorant people who don't know what the fuck defunding the police really means. I know. Everyone's so confused about that slogan. It's like people don't get it. Stupid motherfuckers. You don't like the slogan? You think it's confusing? I don't think it's confusing because I actually read. But uh, (laughs) there's there's people who don't. And I can see how it would uh, how it would be confusing. But that's just. It's it's kind of like a Trumpism where you where you say something in a way that it'll mean to, it means something totally mm-hmm, different because mm-hmm. you know how Trump says I don't know what is it? like he says he calls the coronavirus the China flu yeah when it's not I mean you can debate on where it actually started yeah. but people will hear that and be like oh only Chinese people mm-hmm. have it or mm-hmm. and brought it they gave it to us yeah so. When it, I think when people hear defund the police, that just means, oh, you're taking all their money away and then they're all going to get fired and all that shit. But I mean, like when you walk down like through downtown Oakland and you see like so many buildings that have they're just a, there's nothing in them. And it's like, why don't that could be like a community center or that could be a mental health center or that could be like you. It's not like we don't have spaces or places or people. There's just no money to going into these things like mm-hmm. i could find you 20 empty places that could be easily converted into better preschools for families for that are working where everyone's working like you have to have somewhere safe to send your kid you have to have if you need medication if like there's so many things that it could go to that like the money could be allocated so easily and there would be people stepping up everywhere who would be thrilled to have more money to invest in their community so where would you uh divide the money in i mean education social workers counselors addiction specialists uh mental health responders responders like you're saying just hire more people i'm not i mean they'll have to be different trainings and they'll have to be like moving around like if you are a social worker of whatever like your speciality was maybe now you're a first responder social worker or you're a mental health person. Um, so you'll, you'll put responder. all the money into the education? Uh, no, I didn't. System. I just said the opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> Some money should go to education. Hell yeah. But like all those other things I just listed, uh-huh. getting better food to people. There's like so many food deserts where like you can have healthy, fresh things. Okay. Have you been to any protests lately? Mm-hmm. Which one I did you go to? I was just that one right before this. Where was this at? It was right downtown. It was the. Um, it was actually for the Oakland Public Schools. I mean, I don't work in Oakland Public Schools, but I live in Oakland. Um, for defunding police in the schools. Mm. So there's like petitions, and they did a caravan, and yeah. I'm actually uh, one of the few people who were in a group activist group mm-hmm. who uh stopped the police from coming into oakland the oakland schools recently back in no this is back in the day this oh, is like okay. in 2001 so i was in a i was in a what was it called i was in a youth uh or activist organization uh-huh. called yakin okay it's youth against criminal injustice nia nia means together in swahili and they mm-hmm. were trying to bring in police officers to be security guards in mm-hmm. our school and like fire the Fired a regular security guards who, first of all, will take away their jobs. And then second of all, all the kids in the high school are 
they know these security guards yeah, and these security guards are in the community and like mm-hmm. all that shit so they would fire them bringing the racist cops to uh, the patrol mm-hmm. high schools and then we we stopped that we basically interrupted every school meeting we were on tv i gave a mm-hmm. i gave it probably, I probably that could. was in oakland mm-hmm. we uh we ended up all we interrupted all the you know how they have like school board meetings and mm-hmm. shit. And then I was on, you know, the C-SPAN. Mm-hmm. We interrupted there and then I gave a big speech. I was like the spokesman. You have that footage still? <laughs> I don't have the footage. I mean, we probably could. I mean, it was on TV, so it mm-hmm. probably could be. Uh, Somewhere looked, in the archives. It probably could be looked up. But yeah, we stopped uh, that shit from happening. So what happened to the group? Time ago. I, mean, I don't know. We all fucking graduated, I guess. Okay. What, school, what high school was it? This was at Castlemont. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, because the call to get police out has been going on since, like, at least 10, mm-hmm. 10 11 years. They've had, like, a plan that they've been pushing. And I don't think it's ever happened. Are, are police in schools right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are? Mm-hmm. Like, doing security? Mm-hmm. But I, I don't, like there might I don't be a have chance. any. I don't have any, but they're voting for OUSD. They're voting on the 24th, so on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We'll see if they're just complete. They just want to, like, completely cut the budget. That's It's called the, I think it's called the George Floyd Initiative. It's called like the boss program, but then there's a new George Floyd mm-hmm. resolution. It, yeah, the resolution. Yeah, mm-hmm. because there's already it's called Black Sanctuary Schools, and so that's like the organization that's leading it. Mm-hmm. And actually, the Oakland proposal has been adopted by like New York, Philly, like Boston, like other school districts are like we want that. Mm-hmm. So Oakland's kind of, and they're doing it in my district as well. Do you consider yourself a uh, activist? I mean, in no, in my head, no, because I feel like an activist is like, I don't know, no, like my first thought is no, but like, I try, I've been to, no, I say no. Lucy, do you consider yourself? I would also say no. I say I think you have. I I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like I'd have to do Mm. more to really qualify myself Uh as an activist. Do you think it's weird when you are going to these marches and uh, standing up for uh, like race issues when you don't really experience what you're yelling? I think it's, well, first of all, I think racism is a white people problem, right? So, mm. I mean, I feel like it should be something that white people are showing up for and white people are addressing because it's our problem, right? Mm. But I also think, like, I don't know, the the protests are a, a tricky situation because there are a lot of white people out there who are, like, a little bit too loud and a little yeah, bit... Yeah, there's, a, there's a, like, know? I don't mean to interrupt, but there's, like, a there's a thing going on called white guilt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's like a big on social media and what but that's basically what i'm trying to say in this question when white people are doing too much yeah we're well, not doing really too much do you like when you let's say you're at a protest and you're screaming oh i can't breathe i can't breathe and then protest is over you walk home and you put the sign in the you put the sign in the uh in the in the cabinet mm-hmm. or the closet or whatever mm-hmm. and then the black people you were marching with they walk home and then boom he gets pulled over walking home and gets beat up or shot or something. So do you feel some type of way? Do you feel funny in the inside when you're marching and doing all these things? I don't, I don't, yeah, go ahead. I don't. 
I don't like, I in no means am like trying to lead it or trying, like, I just want to show up for other people who are facing injustices. And like, I don't, I see what you're saying. Like I do get to go home. And the second I walk away, like I'm white, like I can walk home. Like I'll be fine. Like I don't, I'm not looking over my shoulder. I know if I get pulled over, like who knows, like I, I could talk my way out of a ticket. Right. Like, and that's fucked up. And like, I think that most people who are going to these as white people are like, they don't, they want to be like, we're here for you. Like I'm showing up. I'm not trying to, I don't know. Like, I think I know what you're saying. And I, I hope that it comes across. Like when I do go to things that I'm here showing like solidarity and that I'm not like, and that I think it's fucked up. And like, so it's fucked up, but do you, are you glad you don't have to, are you glad that if you get stopped, you can talk yourself out of a ticket? Are you glad that you don't have to look over your shoulder? I mean, I would be lying if I said I wasn't. It's okay. a privilege that I'm very aware of. Then you're happy that you have the privilege. I mean, I'm not happy because if I was happy, then then I would be saying that my happiness is coming from like what other people of color are facing. So like, am I happy? No, because I know that that privilege that I have is pushing other people down. So but no, if I'm you didn't happy. have if you didn't have that privilege, right? And if you had to live the yeah. life of black people in this country, mm-hmm. would you want that? No, but that's like, I, like, I mean, no. You're trying I, to explain it is. It's fine that you don't want to be treated. No, I don't want like, to, like black people are treated I, in this no, country. That's fine to say. I don't want to. You be. should. Yeah, exactly. And I don't the, want the, to. the fact that you're saying you don't want to be treated like that is is how all white people should feel because you should treat a person how you want to be treated. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> what about, uh, what about you? Oh, what's the question. Do you feel some type of way when you're out there marching as well? No, I don't think, so. I mean, I think I try and be like the same way, like conscious, try and be like humble about it and take leadership from other people. Um, but I think, I agree. I think it's important to to support and show solidarity. And if there's something that I think is, you know, not acceptable to show up for it. So I think, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people are, are like being fueled by white guilt. And I think those like people like need to learn how to channel it and use it towards something positive than just like feeling guilty and going to things. But I don't think it's like productive or useful to like sit here and, and feel like, a type of way about it. What is uh black lives? What does that phrase "black lives matter" to you? What does it mean to you? Um, what does it mean? I mean, I think it means that, um, you know, black people are are worthy of the this same type of treatment, the same type of justice that other people are given. Um, and I think, you know, it could go further than that and say that, you know, black people are like a a valued part of the country and should be treated that way. Um, yeah. So when people say all lives matter, (laughs) what does that mean to you? Honestly, I feel like I'm like in such a bubble that I don't have any like all lives matter people in my life to even argue with. I'm always surprised when people talk about that, Mm. uh, which is not a good thing. But um, 
I think that people think that, you know, it's the same with the defund the police. People don't understand the slogan because they don't read and they don't educate themselves about it. But people think when people say black lives matter, that means that other lives don't matter. So they're trying, it's the, it's the colorblind thing. They're trying to say all lives matter. Everybody should be equal and not understanding that when people say black lives matter, it's only because we're dealing with a particular injustice mm-hmm. towards black people. And that's why that's something that we're like uplifting, you know? What does Black Lives Matter to you? I mean, right now, it would definitely, I think that it's saying that black people are getting disproportionately gunned down by racist police all the time. And that, like, right now, I feel like because the Black Lives Matter movement didn't just come up after George Floyd's murder, like, it's been going on. But, like, I think definitely that the disproportionately, like, being killed, being locked up, the school to prison pipeline like is disproportionately hugely affecting black people and other people of color and like we need to dismantle the cops and white what's that what's that white what are white people called who are want to be the best of the best the kkk the white yeah white supremacists (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't think of that word um and that like white supremacy has like it's not that's that has to be dismantled and black people's lives matter and that mm-hmm. they always have, but that like some people wouldn't say that. Mm-hmm. What uh, did you see the uh, that George Floyd video? Mm-hmm. You saw it too. I didn't watch the whole thing. I've seen like parts of it. Mm-hmm. What was your first thought when you saw it? I was. I mean, I was literally, like, standing up, like, screaming at my phone, like, get off of him. Like, what the fuck? Like, he, get the fuck up. Like, you're killing this man, and you know you're killing him. Mm. He knew what he was doing. Do you have any friends or family members who had a conversation with you saying that, oh, if he was just obeying the law, if he wasn't resisting, nothing would have happened? Do you have anyone in your circle that tells you this yeah who my dad what's your dad's name <laughs> <I'm not telling laughs> you. <laughs> your dad tells you if george floyd would have just stopped resisting he would be alive that's what he said no that hit that he that wasn't his argument but that's his argument that it didn't have anything to do with the color of his skin that's what your dad said yeah interesting i'm i mean does your mom say this also no 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 <laughs> Is your um, dad a what is your dad what's what are what are his uh political views republican did it's, uh did he vote for trump probably mm. my mom raised me <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't give a shit about people voting for trump but when you vote for trump that just tells just, that, yeah. just, that just tells me that you are down with some type of racism no, because I, he I mean, people can say he's racist or he's not racist, but he does racist shit. And if you vote for a man like that, you are basically agreeing that you are down with some type of racism, no matter what it is. No, and I I agree. And that tells a lot about a person who can vote for someone. I know, I agree. And I, like, coming to this, I was like, I would assume that, like, how how I was raised would get brought up. And I, like, thought about if I would say anything. And 
I sent my dad like a email that was like pages long and before you came here no 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 like two or three weeks ago saying that you were going to do this no 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 about our conversation it was very heated Mm -hmm. i hung up the phone and that's that (laughs) what would your dad say if you said hi dad this is jamal who's my fiance he probably wouldn't say anything yeah, when I say Jamal, I mean, he's black. I know, I know. <laughs> um, he wouldn't say anything. He would act, I don't know. What is deep down in your heart? Do you think he'll, he wouldn't care? Or would he be like, yeah, say something behind your back? I don't know if he would say anything to me. I mean, it wouldn't matter. Like, I don't. Uh, would he think about it? Yeah. Would he judge it? For sure. Mm. Would he be happy? Probably not. But uh, no. What about your mom? Would she feel the same way? No. No. She'll be like, oh, who cares? Yeah. Does your dad's point of view uh, does that hinder who you bring home? No. So if you fell in love with a black guy, you'll take him home. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. <clears throat> what about you, Lucy? What would my parents say? Yeah. Um, well, they, this has happened before. <laughs> and um, basically, it's the same situation. My mom is a lot more like open-minded than my father. And he was basically just like, uh, you're setting yourself up for a more difficult life mm-hmm. because things are harder for black people. And so it's going to be harder for you to get a house. It's going to be harder for you to get a loan. It's this is a conversation you guys had already? Yeah. Okay. So before you brought the black guy home or after after. So, I mean, and that's just like admitting that, you know, there's systematic racism. Right. And, Mm -hmm. but basically saying like his perspective was like, it exists and this is going to set you back if that's who, who you choose, you know? So I'm, yeah, I don't know. Did you and a black guy get married? (laughs) No, (laughs) I already knew the answer to that, but I was just joking. Um, all right, so that yeah, that doesn't affect uh, who you date, right? No, no. <clears throat> what? How do you feel about uh, people who take from black culture but don't appropriation? Yeah, what do you, how do you feel about that? It's so wide. It's so widespread. I mean, because you 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 say your favorite music is reggae, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not like, I, making money off of it. Yeah, I know that. But <laughs> I'm saying, you go when you go to reggae clubs. I'm pretty sure you're probably like one or probably like two of the white girls in the whole club, right? Depends on where I am. Do you get a lot of? Do you feel comfortable in an environment, or do you like? Oh, or is that on your mind? Like, oh, I'm the only white person here. Um. Sometimes. I mean, it's hard not to notice it but the black people are not making you feel that way right depends on the place sometimes yeah you want to give me an example of a bad situation that happened um i don't want to call out any places in oakland so (laughs) um i mean no was it reggae gold or something no i love reggae gold what's the place (laughs) No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna 
throw anybody under the bus here. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm pretty used to that. No, 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 we need an example. Uh, no, I'm not going to give an example. Huh? <laughs> All right. Uh, but I mean, I think I've been the only white person in a lot of situations because like when I lived in Grenada, I was, I didn't, I would go weeks without seeing another white person. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people often have things to say, but the thing is that it's not like rooted in hatred. So that's what I have to remind myself is that like when people have something to say to you because I'm white, it's not like, it's, it's usually not like hateful. You know what I mean? It's usually just like curious or obnoxious or annoying, but it's mm-hmm. not like, yeah, it's not hateful and it's not violent. Have you ever experienced anything bad when you were with a significant other, a black person? Like anyone try to yell at you guys like, hey, what the fuck are y'all together? And stuff, like yeah, uh, people, yeah, people stop me. Was this in, in the States? Uh, Yes. Yeah. People stopped you? Mm-hmm, yeah, people stop. Sometimes people stop to say like, oh, it's so great to see biracial couples, which is also annoying. <laughs> But then there, there have also been times where, like, I've been with a partner and someone was saying racist things to them. And then I walk up and they're like, oh, sorry, I didn't know that you were together. Mm. And that is also fucked up. Mm. Did anything happen like that to you? No? No. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> have you dated uh, a black person seriously? Never seriously, no. Mexican person? No. <laughs> Chinese? Not Chinese, but Southeast Asian. Yeah. How was that? Culture-wise? Um, just different. I mean, like, Malaysia is very similar, I get. Like, it's much more, I mean, their culture and... I mean, it was fine. Like, I feel like within racism, right, is like if you bring a white person home, it's like they somehow think that, like, that's great and wonderful. Mm. Yeah, the Asian country, I don't know, Asians are totally like that. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of Asian women date white men. Mm-hmm. For a, uh, what's that word? What's that word that you're trying to, like, Clout. Yeah, clout, <laughs> clout, whatever. Um, what else? Uh, so, do you think racism is taught or? I guess it's an I easy think so, question. Yeah, yeah I think born. So. Yeah, you're not born yeah. racist. But I also think, like, I heard something the other day that was like, even if you took all the racists out of the government, it would still be a racist government, right? Because it's mm-hmm. not just like individual. It's not just like person to person racism. It's like mm-hmm. the way that the whole system is set up Mm -hmm. so i think like yes it's taught individually like parents to their kids but i also think it's like deeper than that and it's just observed it's what kids see Mm -hmm. kids don't have to be like explicitly taught something Mm -hmm. to learn something or just yeah like as a white as a white kid you like test your boundaries and you see what you get away with like Mm -hmm. i've talked back to cops all the time and you're like oh i can get away with that so you do it again right Mm -hmm. so it's not like that that was taught to me. Like my parents were like, it's fine if you talk back to cops, you know, Mm -hmm. but you like push your boundaries and you learn what you can get away with. And not that that's racist, but that's just like teaching you where you are in the world. Kind of. Mm -hmm. 
Do you own any guns? No, I don't own any guns. No. No. <laughs> no. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you feel about gun laws? They're saying that school teachers should be arming themselves. No, I would never. <laughs> you don't agree with that? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah, me neither. No. With all the Why school shootings? Why do I need a gun? Why do I need a gun? Like, what about when all these school shootings were going on? Well, those people shouldn't have access to military-style weapons in the first place. Right. All right, well, my last words on this is a system cannot fail. A, peop- a, a system cannot fail people that the system wasn't designed for. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that. You heard that quote? Yep. Okay. I was going to say I made it up, but since you heard it, <laughs> it wasn't from me. I heard it. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Lucy and Dylan, this is the time where you can promote, um, I don't know, promote yourself, promote, you can, <laughs> you can promote your, your school, promote your, your school, you can promote your job, if you have friends that you want to promote, they have like a jewelry company or something, or a party or whatever, or if you can give out any information that you want to the thousands and thousands of listeners to ECP. Uh, This is your time to do it. Uh, Lucy, we can start with you. Well, I don't really have anything personal to promote in our business, but I would say that if people are interested in learning more in Oakland about defunding the police and about what people have been doing about this black organizing project are the people who are trying to get kids, um, the police out of schools, and then anti-police terror project are the people working on the defund OPD project. So that's who I would like to shout out. Nice. Um, I'm like the least famous person. Um, so mm-hmm. nothing personal to shout out other than um, that we just need to keep investing in our youth. And so anytime that you're able to donate, think of how you can donate to youth in your area, um, making sure that you're attending youth led organizations or like listening to what they have to say, because I feel like kids are the future. The kids are leading like all these protests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not just not just high school too. Like little kids can do so so much. Like what are they called? The Gen Zers? The Zoomers? Or something. I don't even I know. know. I, don't I know. mean, like third graders blow my mind. I hang out with third graders all day, and they can do incredible things. So listen to what kids have to say because even if they're little, they have brilliant minds. Mm. <laughs> all right. That's it. That's yeah. All, that's all you guys got. <laughs> All right, well. I'm a teacher. Like, <laughs> what do you want me to shout out? Shout out. All right, uh, so Dylan, thank you for coming on the show. Lucy, mm-hmm. thank you for coming on the show and touching on these crazy topics today. Uh, yeah, find me, Instagram, Twitter, all that shit. Uh, EverydayCelebrityMedia.com if you want to reach out. And yeah, that's it. Thank you. And we are out. Cool. See ya. You.